Okay. Hi, Elizabeth. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, Rachel. I'm so excited to be chatting with you. I have some dogs and I told them not to bark. I'm not sure if they'll listen. So Okay. <laughs> I've got a squeaky chair, um, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Perfect. All right. <laughs> Um, that's, you know, raw conversations all about real life. Um, and before, um, we really get going, I do want to say for anyone listening that Elizabeth and I have never really spoken before. We've just met. I feel like there's a lot of common ground. Um, we were going to have this conversation privately and I suggested that we do it as a raw conversation. Um, and I also want to say that we may talk about some things that are pretty, I, I suspect we're going to talk about cancer um, and death and some heavy subjects. So um, just to put that out there for people to, to know what to expect. Um, so, so let's, let's get to know each other. Um, I want to say thank you for um, reaching out to me through Sean's group um, and recognizing our, some shared commonalities. Um, and I'm looking forward to getting to know um, what your story is. Yeah, same. I heard you do your introduction on that first Friday call. And um, I was totally intrigued. Like, oh my gosh, we're kind of, we have very similar overlaps, I think. And then I um, joined a group and I was chatting with them about my book coming out and they were like, you need to talk to Rachel Martin. And I was like, okay, I will. So stepping outside of my comfort zone to reach out to you, but I'm so glad I did. I'm so glad I get to talk with you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Well, you, you, you seem very natural at um, this stepping outside of your comfort zone. Um, congratulations for doing it and um i'm curious what um what so you've listened to a little you know my story and you've listened to some of the podcasts what what is your story what i know you're you lost your husband um to cancer and i'm very sorry to hear that um i i both had cancer and lost my father so it's been like a double whammy the last couple of years. What, yeah. um, how did it show up in your life? So I can tell you that um, I, it was actually my second husband that I lost to cancer. My, my first husband, I lost to suicide um, back in 2010. Um, so I have five kids and uh, remarried in 2014. And then about 18 months after uh, we got married, um, he just, he had a cough that wouldn't go away. And he, you know, he went and had a, um, you know, antibiotics for bronchitis. And then they were like, wait, we think there's more to it. And probably, as you know, all of a sudden it's building, building, growing until you get like, you know, stage four lung cancer diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So um, he lived for tw 20 months. So we had a good 20 months together knowing that he probably wasn't going to make it. And wow. so I'm thankful for that. Yeah. To, to have that time after knowing is really, it's precious. It's hard. Um, I mean, it's hard either way. <laughs> um, right. 
but to be able to consciously have that uh, is important. I'm curious, you said he went in for a cough and then it, it built and built and built and suddenly stage four. How long was it from that time when he went in for the cough to them diagnosing? So he went in for a cough and then they gave him antibiotics and about a week later, he was still not feeling better. And so he went back and they did a, an EKG and they were like, something's not right. This is, doesn't look good. You need to go to the, um, go to the emergency room right away. And then there they did a CT and they thought it was blood clots in his lungs. Um, and then they did this procedure. Um, he had a, a pericardial effusion. I don't know if I'm being too technical, but basically like fluid around his heart. And they were like, we need to put a window in to drain the fluid. And I need to grab a drink. Um, yeah, go for it. No, no okay. worries. Take, okay. take your time. Okay, hold on one second. about that no um so he they so they went to do the pericardial window to take the fluid out and um he went into respiratory failure during the procedure so he was in a coma um for a couple of weeks and it was while he was in the coma that they had biopsied the fluid which was blood actually um kind of an odd story is like an odd chain of events but while he was in the coma is when they said we think this is cancer and wow yeah wow that's so sudden and that unexpected um I'm sorry yeah it was it was um yeah in that in in those moments life was difficult for sure how, um, you said you have, uh, five kids. Yeah. Um, how, how was that with the, with your kids? Are they, and were they, do you mind if I ask details? Like, are they, um, his children or uh, biologically? No. So biologically, um, I had the first three with my first husband and then we adopted two okay. and then lost him so when when we lost him I had a 13 10 9 2 and 3 year old wow and then we met Dave and he kind of you know accepted all of us so no kids of his own but he just he just loved mine like they were his right uh, so one of the things that um at at Dave's service at my second husband's service one of the things my my oldest son at that point had just turned 21 the day before his service. And so he, he just kind of lost it and was like, I don't understand. Most kids don't lose dads. Now we've lost two dads. Why is this happening to us? And I kind of felt that like, yeah, this doesn't happen a lot, but here we are. Yeah. 
how how has that um, been? I, I can't imagine um, like for myself as a single woman handling um, the grief that I went through for what I went through and then losing my dad to be doing that with your, you know, um, five kids too. That's, um, how is that for you as a family? Um, I'm not probably, I was gonna say, I sorry, mean, I'm probably asking very general questions. I, I <laughs> maybe yeah, not the best. It's like, um, it's like an onion, you know, with layers. So my, my daughter who's 14 now, um, is really currently struggling a lot with, um, trauma and loss. And, um, it's all just kind of come to a head at this point. So she's the one I think that's getting most of my attention right now. Um, my three older kids are all in college and they're all they're all doing really well, making really good life choices. And that's always exciting to see, um, to see them like bloom and become. And, um, and then I've got my 13 and 14 year olds now um, and just kind of focusing in on them, making sure they're okay, making sure they understand feelings and how to process them and release things that we can't control and just, um, that kind of stuff. I just really focus a lot on, um, let's be as authentic as we can. Let's live our lives as, as truly as possible. And I think that's one of the things that drew me to you is that you have that vibe too, of, you know, this is, this is real. And we don't just focus on the happy. We feel all the feelings from, you know, the, the ones that are lower to the ones that are higher. Yeah. Yeah, I would say thank, thank you. Uh, I think that's so incredible that you're uh, able to provide that awareness for your for your children. For me, the that has been something I've had to um, discover through my own path, and I think that um, it's been one of the things that cancer has given me, uh, almost like a validation of like <laughs> being able to embrace it all. Um, and I almost said it's one of the gifts of cancer, which as the title of a book that you've got, uh, coming out really soon, right? Uh, Tuesday. 10 Tuesday. Yeah. Wow. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit more? Tell me a little bit more about that. Sure. I just feel like um, through through that experience, I've always been a journaler. So I have, you know, random journals from the time I was 15. And it feels like when life gets really good, like all the practices of journaling and meditating and all those things kind of like fall to the wayside. Yeah. But when when you like get down into the struggle, you're like, oh, yeah, I need to journal. So I journaled through the whole process. And um, I joined this Toastmasters group like a year, year and a half yes, ago. You're a Toastmaster too. Me too. I am. You are. I love it. Yeah. So I got up to give my icebreaker speech and I was like, what thing has influenced my life the most recently? Um, and I, and I shared this story of, of, um, of Dave passing from cancer. And at the end, someone came up to me and said, you need to write a book. 
and I was like, wow, maybe I will. And it just kind of turned into like my 2020 passion project of I'm going to do something while I'm home, while I'm, you know, in the downtime. Yeah. Wow. Incredible. Um, So you just wrote it in the, the last year then in this time you use the the 2020 downtime to incubate something that's cool um what would you mind are you a writer or, or what do you like by profession or is it you said journaling is just something that you've done yeah I'm I'm a novice writer so I I was a high school teacher for a long time I taught history and economics and government and um a year and a half ago, I decided to leave teaching because I wanted to focus in more on my family. And I, I have a little, uh, I have a little essential oil business. And so I really wanted to focus my energy there. And uh, I love having just the, the time to do what I want to do. Um, so I don't know. That's cool. You've, you've created it. Um, yeah. I have so many questions about essential oil, your essential oil business, about the crystal bowls I see in the background, about Reiki, um, about two um, the book. So I don't. Is there anything that you want to really talk more about, or ask me, or? Uh, well, I would love you're you're a Reiki master, also, correct? not a Reiki master, actually. Reiki training is not something that I've done. It's something I've been considering. Um, I am uh, a 200 hour yoga teacher. I've been looking at Kundalini training and I've studied with Irene Lyon through her online course for nervous system healing. And I have my own way of like teaching on the slack line for self-discovery and nervous system healing that I'm um it's it's all my creation and I'm figuring out how I put that out in the world you know I feel like with like Reiki and yoga it's very clear and um established so that yeah that's my background um and I'd be curious to hear about your Reiki training so that I can see if that's something that I do want to pursue and what sure. that means for you. So for me, when I was studying all of the, we took a pretty alternative approach to my husband's cancer treatments. Um, when, when they diagnosed him, they said, you know, if he does chemo every two weeks for the rest of his life, and he's really lucky, he might live for six months. So the prognosis was not anything like, oh, we'll do that. It wasn't like, you know, healing or, um, so he did choose to do four rounds of chemo. And then he was like, okay, I'm done. I'm not doing that anymore. So I jumped pretty pretty heavily into the alternative medicine world. And we, tr- we traveled a lot, um, just find, looking for, you know, different treatments. So the first place we went was down to Ecuador. Um, and, and that's actually when I started my essential oil business, we went to a, a farm there where they specialized in essential oils. It was really cool. Um, so one of the things that I came across was Reiki while I was just kind of researching. And I like found this 
website that told you all the hand positions. And, and I was like, okay, you lay down and I'm going to try this thing on you. And he's like, Oh, okay. And I'm like moving my hands, doing like all the things that it said to do. And he's like, um, babe, can, can we just stop now? Like this is doing nothing. Like, yeah, that's fine. So after he passed away, um, I, I found that um, an attunement is, is necessary in Reiki. So it's like just the passing of um, the, the energy kind of thing. Um, so I was doing the right things. I was following the directions and the instructions, which is what, what I am really good at. Um, but I was missing the whole spirit of it. And so I found a Reiki master locally um, and I called her up randomly. I found her on Meetup. And I called her up and I just said, hey, I'm interested in your Reiki class. And she's like, awesome, come over. And so I went over and she's like, well, have you ever had a Reiki session? And I said, no. And she said, well, let me give you a Reiki session. And it was one of like, one of the coolest experiences of my life. Like she didn't put her hands on me. Her hands were always like off of me, but it was so cool. You know, I went into, I, I think now like with studying with Sean Croxton, like it was just different brainwaves that I went into almost a meditative state, but having another person there facilitating it was amazing. And so I was like, okay, sign me up. I want to learn. And so we went through, there's um, level one, level two, and then your level three is master teacher level. And so once you're a master teacher, now you have the ability to attune other people. So I've been in that world for a little bit. It was after Dave died that I really dove into it. Wow. Um, can you tell me more about the treatment paths that you chose? Um, the, uh, you said you went to Ecuador for, and there was an essential oil farm. So was that part of the treatment or what, what types of things uh, uh, did you pursue and were you interested in alternative treatments prior to um, the cancer diagnosis? Well, I had always used essential oils. They were just kind of part of my everyday life. Um, my, my youngest daughter, when I adopted her, she was covered head to toe in eczema and I took her to the doctor and they were like, oh, she needs a steroid treatment. And I was kind of like, hmm, she's four months old. Is, is steroids a good idea? I don't even know why, but something in my brain was like, hmm, that I might not be it. the best idea. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the first time I ever questioned anything. She's my fifth kid. Everything else I was like, yeah, sure, go for it. Um, but for whatever reason, that didn't resonate with me. And I had this friend who was kind of into natural stuff. And I called her and I go, what do you think about this? And she, she said, come over. And so I went over and she goes, we're, we're going to like mix up our own cream for her. And um, so that's what we did. And we cleared up her eczema and um, it was, it was really cool. So from there, I just kind of started using oils for everything. Um, when we lost my first husband, um, I realized the emotional benefits of oils and just raising your frequency just by breathing something in. Um, so I'd always kind of used them. I always loved them. Um, they were a huge part of, of my parenting and my life. And 
Um, so when he decided not to do chemo anymore, I went to my friend who had done the, the concoction for my daughter. I was like, I don't know what to do. And she's like, you need to go to Ecuador. So when we went down there, it was, um, it was really cool, the things that they were doing. They focused in a lot on massage um, but and, you know, colonics and um, just really focused on, on his liver. And I was like, why are we so focused on his liver? The cancer is in his lungs. Um, and they were like, well, the liver is going to cleanse his body. Um, but they did IV treatments with essential oils and um, yeah we went to like a raw vegan diet um just just kind of going back to you know what's natural in the world um we focused on that a lot um we came back from there um he had the same he ended up having the same pericardial effusion again so about six months after the first one, he had a second one. So we basically like rushed back as fast as we could from there. Cause I was like, I don't trust the hospitals here. Um, so we rushed back and, and they were like, yep, same thing again. And so he went in for the surgery and the second time, you know, we were, we were kind of like, I'm like, what if you, what if you don't wake up from this one? But his, body had changed so much and his focus had changed so much that it was it was good it was a good surgery it happened really quickly and um so we did that um he did he did do a target therapy pill um because his his cancer was um genetic was yours genetic um they don't believe so um, but there's so little known about appendix cancer. I actually have a, I need to do a DNA test, a saliva test that I've been dragging my feet on sending in for some reason. I think because I'm avoiding dealing with the fact that I'm a cancer survivor a little bit and there's some mental stuff there, but um, prob probably not. So how did they know that his was genetic? And so did he have family members who also had it? So they did, um, they did the original biopsy and they said it was not. So they ended up doing four different biopsies because they kept saying, you know, he's, he's, he was, you know, in his late thirties, um, it came on so quickly and they were like, you know, he, he definitely didn't live the healthiest lifestyle, um, be before the cancer, but, um, nothing that, nothing that was out of the ordinary for most Americans, you know? Um, so they, they kept biopsying it until they found the, the, it's called the ALK mutation. Once they found that he was able to take a target therapy, but from that point forward, that was the only, um, that was the only traditional medicine that he had. Um, there's like a, over in Tempe, there's a Tempe, Arizona, I'm in Arizona. Where you're um, in Arizona. Yeah, okay. I'm in Phoenix. Okay. So in Tempe, which is like 30 minutes away, um, there's a clinic called Nature Works Best, and they they were doing IV treatments with them, and they were doing like the hyperbaric chamber. Um, I'm trying to think of the other natural things that we did. Um, 
did you do any like um like high dose vitamin c and that type of thing you said iv treatments i know that was like essential oils in ecuador and then what i, I assume it probably wasn't essential oils in tempe or was it i've never heard of that in the u.s no i don't yeah. think i don't think you can do that in the u.s um it was like the high dose vitamin C they called it. Um, it was like his cancer fighting nutrients and mm. the doctors would specifically go in and, um, like she would meet with us and then she would go in, um, into like this little room and she would mix up whatever the way that she saw fit for him that day. But I'm, I know that there was, there was vitamin C, um, but I'm not sure what else was in as in there, they used to say it was just proprietary. So yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I, um, it's cool to know about these things that they're out there. And I'm, I'm curious, how did you said after the essential oil treatment, when he came back and had the, um, the heart procedure again, that his body had changed, how was he feeling? How did it have any, um, you know, adverse effects, the natural treatments or what did, what changes did you notice? So what I feel like is that I feel like none of it was completely like all, I mean, obviously he passed away. So nothing was like completely curative that, Oh, we did this and now it's gone. I do know people who have gone to Ecuador that were actually there with us with um, different types of cancer who are still cancer free right now. Um, and I also know people that went to the nature works best clinic who are still, um, who are still around, but I also know a lot of people from both who are no longer are as well. So I don't think that there's anything that's like an all or nothing, but I think like anything, small changes end up making a big difference. And so for him, diet was pretty crucial. Um, regular massages, regular colonics, um, the essential oils, um, all those things I think were, were key for him. Well, you, you said originally they'd, they'd said six months with a lot of chemo, right? And you said yeah. that you had 20 months with him after. Yeah. The diagnosis. I think that that's, I mean, it sounds like th those small changes did make a, a fair amount of difference. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, hopefully. That's, yeah, that's, that's how I feel. And for me, the, the thing was, it, it wasn't 20 months of stick. It was 20 months of traveling and golfing and just having fun and playing you know there was there was definitely ups and downs but uh, there was a, a lot of good and a lot of him feeling really good and that was important yeah. how how did that change how did that diagnosis you said you traveled a lot you had a lot of fun together how did it shift the way that you lived life together after that was that was there more of a oomph you know more of like a, we're doing this yeah I think that's 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 the gist of my book basically <laughs> um, we had be, before diagnosis we had a little remodel store 
Um, so we, you know, we were open from 10 to six every day and then we had appointments with clients and he was always, you know, like doing, doing the deliveries and that kind of stuff. And I was always designing and it was a lot of ignoring our kids and kind of just like the store consumed us. And so while he was in that coma, um, when he was very first diagnosed, one of the things that I was one of the conclusions I came to was like, I think we need to sell the store. Um, so just by releasing that, um, when he woke up, I said, what do you think about selling the store? And he's like, uh, yeah, let's sell the store. Um, and so just that one shift, all of a sudden we were having dinner with our kids and we were having, you know, we had time, we had time to do things. And um, so that was, that was really cool. Yeah something about that like the way that mortality comes into focus and makes everything else in life so much clearer <laughs> like yeah. um this month I've been working or I'm, I'm part of another group and it's a magical group and we've been doing a death contemplation um which, you know, for me, I'm like, well, I've come pretty, you know, close to it, closer than I ever thought I would at my age. And so now to like every day think about, I could die today. You know, what does that mean? How do I feel? How does that change the way that I live life? And it's, I mean, it's powerful. It's, it's been, it's been really powerful since, since having to face it with the the cancer but then like um being a year and a half yeah a year and a half out and then having my dad pass it's like it feels more real and also I, I think just from a psychological like body kind of place I've also went into a little bit of a, a shutdown um almost like a numbingness from it um and to bring it back into focus this month has been very enlivening so it's it's like it's ironic right i think how focusing on death makes us live more fully um so so much of our culture is focused on avoiding it and pushing it away you know look younger feel younger like don't um don't talk about it you know it's all like the health the love the light and it's like well but also from the very moment that we're born death is guaranteed so <laughs> like um yeah it's just an observation so when I hear stories of um like yours I can't you know losing two husbands for your children to to lose that and then also how much you learn to embrace life through it. It's a, it is a gift. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I agree completely. It, it definitely brings things into focus more. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, what does life look like for you right now? How is, you've got the book coming out and um, you're taking care of your, your two youngest ones. Um, yes, I've, 
Reiki masters, you have, you know, what's that look like? Are you practicing? Are you? I am. I also have my 200 hour yoga certification. And that was part of part of my healing process too. I think just kind of going into like, what are the things that really nourish my soul and feed my soul? And those are the things I want to focus on. And then also sharing that with my kids. Um, my older ones are like, oh, mom, you're just woo woo. Um, but my little ones, you know, I'm like, you know what, I want you guys to learn how to meditate before you go to school in the morning and that kind of thing. So currently, four of my five are living at home with coronavirus um, being out there. So okay, wait, I was gonna say not with Corona, like they don't have coronavirus. No, 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 no. Okay. Just, they, they were, um, they, they were, yeah, they were all in dorms last year. And, um, and then this year, two of them are home. One of them is still um, in her, in her apartment dorm. So she, she's, she's in Tempe. She's at ASU. Um, all three of my kids do ASU, but she was the only one that opted to uh, move out again. So she does better. She's um, super type A and really focused on her studies and stuff. And she's like, I can't live at home with all of you people and the dogs and all the craziness. I need like quiet and I need to study. And um, so we have lunch once a week. That's kind of awesome. That's nice to still have her close. Also, I haven't heard the dogs, so they, they listen well. Yeah, they're, they're trying. If somebody comes to my front door, you'll know it. <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry, I feel like I'm, I'm a little tired today. So my, I feel like I've been asking questions in my head and not getting them out. Um, like there's so much just that I, uh, your story is incredible. Um, and being able to, to write a book about it, I think I'm curious how that process was for you. Um, because I know for myself, I've been thinking about it and I want to do it, but it's, um, I've been avoiding it too, because it's really like, it's going through the muck, um, yeah. which is healing. I think it's been incredibly healing for me. Um, I pulled out my journals and kind of just would go through, like, uh, um, I started out just making an outline, like what, are the chapters that I want. And I made each chapter um, a different gift. So like my first chapter is the gift of knowing and it's the part of my story where we find out that it's cancer and just the idea of, okay, now we know, now we can do something where before you know, you're lost, you know, you're like, I don't know what's happening. I don't, you know. Yeah. I got chills at that because I, I, I know that unknowing so well. It took me five years to get a diagnosis when I knew that something wasn't right. So yeah, that's why I was curious about how long it had went for, um, for Dave, right? Yeah, Dave, yeah. Uh, for Dave to go from cough to diagnosis. Um, and any amount of time really, it's still, it's just hard. That unknowing is like, well, I can't, I don't know what to do. Right. Right. So once you know, then no matter what it is, I think, and, and 
life. Like once you know, then you go, okay, now I can, now I can hold it. Now it's something I can grasp. I think that's why naming our feelings is so important being able to say like, I'm feeling tired. And then I always go to like, where in my body do I feel tired? And then once you name that, you can hold it and you can go, okay, I'm, I'm going to do something with this tired now. I'm going to take a nap or I'm going to do something to nourish myself. Um, once we name it, we can do something with it once we know. So um, I forgot what your question was. <laughs> remember either <laughs> um, oh the book writing process oh yeah, yeah. So, so I I was like what gifts did I get out of it and so I kind of just made my chapters and then from the chapters I just started putting the story in and I did it in as as Pomodoro sessions mm. so like 25 minutes and then five minute breaks and then 25 minutes and some days I was more consistent than others and yeah, it was, it was really, it was really healing. There's a lot of like times as I'm writing, I'm like crying and my kids would walk in the room and be like, why are you crying? And I'm like, I'm, I'm just writing my book. And they're like, okay, we'll leave you alone. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely a healing process for sure. Yeah. Did you, um, what kind of support did you have in that process? Did you do like a writer's club? Did you share bits with your Toastmasters group or was it mostly a, a solo adventure at first? So you know how you can like think something and then it shows up in like a Facebook ad? Yeah. So I was thinking about writing my book after that lady said that to me that I should write a book. And next thing you know, I had like this thing pop up, like, do you want to write a book in 2020? And I'm like, yeah, I, I, I kind of do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How did you know? Um, so I, um, so it, I joined a, uh, right a writing challenge. I don't know where my face are. Hold on. Yeah. I did a 30 day writing challenge is what it's called. And it was basically like, do you want to write a nonfiction book? Um, go through this process and you'll, you'll get it done in 30 days. Um, and it took me longer than 30 days because I wasn't super consistent with it. Um, or I wasn't as consistent as that. And I, um, I got really stuck in editing where I just wanted to like keep going back over the same things again, because I, in my head, I just needed it to be perfect. Um, and I know perfection is not attainable. So I would say like, as soon as I can read this whole chapter without changing one thing in it, then I'll move on. Um, and there's, there's never been a time that I've read through it and not changed it. So I'm like, okay, done is better than perfect. Mm -hmm. um, so it was a, it was a book writing challenge that I did. And every morning you get an email that would say, do this today, do this today. And that was really helpful. Oh, cool. Um, I, I know about that perfection. That is why this is a raw conversation and I'm not going to go back and edit it. <laughs> Same with my expressions. It's easy to get stuck in that trap of wanting things to be perfect. I think especially when it's so personal and, and written too is just 
feels so for me feels like permanent or I, I don't know it's just easy to go back and change things with something like this or sound I'm not as adept at editing so it's a little easier to let it just be what it is but that writing going down the editing rabbit hole can be really uh just like I can get lost in it uh, it yeah. sounds like you felt that way too um yeah, I think the editing is harder than the writing because the writing can just start flowing and then editing going back like did I use that word too many times did I you know whatever it is is that the proper use of my commas you know mm -hmm. did you um I had a question and it just like went into the ether oh did you experience any writing blocks you said you know when you start writing it would just slow were there days when it didn't for you? Those were the days that I probably didn't write. You know, I, if, if I got myself to sit down and write, I was usually pretty okay. Um, there were a lot of times that I would write and be like, mm, I don't even want to share that. And I would just throw it out. There were a million times that I was like, throw the whole thing out, just get rid of it all, like start over. And I, I never did that. Um, but there were a lot of times where I was like, oh, what you wrote about kind of shit. Try that again. Am I allowed to throw that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whatever you want on here. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I think, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, one of the things for me that's really hard is just being vulnerable enough to put it out there for everybody to actually read. Um, because I feel like there's, um, and I know it's just me judging myself, but I am always like, oh, people are going to judge me. People are going to think things about me. So just even being vulnerable enough to say, okay, I have a book. And, and then when I set the date, I had to immediately like put it out like um, on Instagram, on Facebook and all the things so that now there's accountability. Like, otherwise I would just say, oh, maybe I'll put it out on Tuesday right yeah put it put it out there so that the world can hold you to it I understand that yeah. have you had um have you had people read it already have you experienced some feedback from it has that how has that been for you I've had people that really love me um read it so I've had my sisters have both read part of it um, my cousin has gone through the whole thing. She was actually my my number one editor with me. So so she did two things, actually, because I would write a chapter and send it over to her. And she would be like, OK, I need the next chapter. When are you sending me the next chapter? But she was also my um, she's she, I think she has a master's degree in English or something. So she was really good with, you know, just editing and helping me. And I at the very beginning of the process, I was like, I need you to be super gentle with my Pisces soul. And she's like, I'll be gentle with you. Um, and she was, but she's, she's just amazing with like, change this to that and, and those kinds of things. So that's really it. And then I, I had, um, I had another professional editor go through it. Um, and, and she like, 
she was like, oh, your book is really inspiring. You should feel proud. And I don't know if she just said that because, you know, I, I mean, I'm sure it was authentic. I, I'm, I'm proud. Good, good. You should be. I'm, I'm really looking forward to reading it. I, um, I, I have a good feeling that there's, you, you really should be proud of that. It's not, um, sharing like our vulnerable times is not easy. Um, can I ask a, a question, um, uh, and you don't have to answer, but I'd be curious, what is it that feels most vulnerable about the book or most what you fear people judging you on the most? Is there a certain feeling or thing that you said or? There, there are probably a few things. Um, first of all, I, I wanted to title it The Gifts of Cancer because I wanted to shift the cancer conversation a little bit from um, the, the fight cancer, fuck cancer, that, that whole movement to me. Um, one of the things I always used to say to Dave, cause he was, he was kind of, um, he was, he was kind of wild. I always would say like, Oh, he's my adventure. Um, and there, there was a lot that he would do or, um, you know, that was just annoying to me, like probably like any marriage, but, um, I always used to say, I like, I, I don't like this part of you, but I love you as a person. And um, I think I do, you know, with everybody, there are certain things that you just don't like, but you love the person. And cancer for me was a thing that I did not like, but I still loved him. And it was for better or worse, it was a part of them. It, it was there. So I wanted to um, shift it, shift the conversation to like what what good did come out of this and and with that I feel like I'm, I'm like you know depending on who reads it people who have been through the same process that I am or that I have um, the widow the widow community um, can get kind of stuck in in the most of my best friends are widows but um, the widow community can really get stuck in the anger and the and the the difficult and I think trying to shift that is probably what I'm most afraid of what is it that you think what are you afraid of in shifting that I'm curious because I it sounds so like I didn't hear fear I guess like what are, what will people say is there a fear of what people will say or what they will that they won't believe you or I, I, cause from where I'm sitting, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I, there is cancer was a part of me. I didn't like the fuck cancer. got to fight it. Um, and on, on some level it was like, well, I have to accept it and know why it's here and what it's, what it's here for and what the message is. And then like, you know, accept it and let it go. Like you were saying with like the name it, like name it, know it. And then like, it can 
dissipate or, you know, it's hard to say cancer doesn't just dissipate. I guess maybe that's something that people would take offense to or go, well, you just can't do that. You know, is it that whole notion of it being a positive or that people will um, like tell you that you have a wrong view? Um, I think it's just, hmm. I, yeah, I think it's just people. I'm, I'm by nature kind of a people pleaser and I like to make people happy. And what I've, what I've learned through my life is that I don't see things the way that most people see things. Like you and I resonate, but you and I are, are the minority, especially in the cancer universe. Yeah. Um, so when I say things like, oh, he chose to stop doing chemo, there's a whole world of people that would be like, well, why would you stop? So I even like kind of throw that in my book a little bit of like, um, this is the choice that we made. Other people might make different choices, but you know, this is, this is where we were at. Um, I just think it's the vulnerability, like everybody seeing my my soul almost you know like these are all the struggles that I had and I share my disappointments and I share my anger and my I just kind of just bear my soul to the whole universe or whoever wants to read it so maybe I'm afraid of the vulnerability Mm -hmm. I can understand that yeah afraid of just being seen and that that way i'm excited for you though because i also like i see this smile on your face and this like genuineness of like this is this is my experience and what i believe and that you wrote a book like deep down you know that people need to hear that that it will be of service to people even people who maybe have a different view by putting it out there vulnerably as just your story, it gives them access, I think, to uh, like adopting a new way without being told like, you know, you should see can't your cancer as a gift. Oh gosh, I wanted to punch people when they told me that when I was diagnosed. Oh, this is happening for a reason. It's like, let me decide that. You know, let me see that. Um, it, so there's just something subtle about it being communicated via a personal story that I am grateful that you decided to do that and that you are taking that step and putting it out there as vulnerable and scary as it feels. It's big. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. How, can I ask, how did your work in Sean's groups come about and how has that, how did it coincide with like the life events that um, you're writing about and how did, um, like, did that mindset work come into play with putting the book out? So I, I, this is my first time through, through Sean's, um, Okay. Academy. Me yeah. Too. Me too. I followed him for a while, but it's my first time in the academy. Yeah. Yeah. So I um 
So yeah, I, when I started my network marketing business, business, my essential oil business, I, um, um, everybody was like, Oh, you need to listen to the quote of the day show. And so I started with that. Um, and you know, pretty, pretty consistently listened to that. And I, you know, I love Joe Dispenza and I, I, I love anything that's going to expand my mind. Um, so I, I read a lot and, um, it was interesting because my, my young living team is all, um, doing a, doing a training on Tuesday nights right now. And it was basically starting the same exact week as, as MMA. And I was like, I can't focus on that right now. I need to focus on my book. Um, with, with all the energies of this year, I was like, if I can get one thing for 2020 done, like one thing that I'm so focused on and, and my oil business is, ongoing there's not really like an end point there's of course like oh the next level or the next thing but I really wanted to just get like one thing completely done and then when you write a book you think about well who's going to buy it who's going to read it and that was when I was like oh I'm going to sign up for the MMA because that's going to help me to shift my mindset to like I'm putting out this book and I really want you to buy it and I really want you to read it (laughs) Mm -hmm. so that was probably the biggest thing. How, how has it shifted things for you? Um, well, just the learning about how brains work is really cool to me. Um, every week I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, like you, you have the basic gist of things. Like, like, you know, we've all heard of like the law of attraction. And, you know, if you just focus on what you want and um that and you know through Dave's journey it was we never talked about like him dying we always talked about him healing we were like we we're gonna get through this everything and everyone was telling us we weren't but we were gonna stay positive um and so I think just being able to understand like how our brains work and why we do the things we do um, and how we can shift our brain and we can shift the way that we do things, I think was really powerful for me. Um, I have like my little gratitude journal in my phone. And so I'm always like going back to like, what am I grateful for right in this minute? And I'm always, you know, writing the next thing and the next thing. And um, so that's been really huge. Um, And even being grateful for what hasn't come yet. Like I always put, I'm so grateful for my best-selling book. Yes. Well, I can't wait until that is, that arrives in the now for you. Um, Was gratitude something uh, that you had had a practice of prior to MMA? Money Mind Academy is what MMA means for, I forget, we're not just speaking here to each other. Um, um, Gratitude was something that I would pick up and put back down. You know, you you were like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be super strong with with a gratitude journal, and and then kind of you forget about it, or you know, um, and uh, one of the things that I was really good at was like, oh, I'm just gonna keep my gratitude journal in my head, so I would um, be like, oh, I feel so grateful for 
you know, whatever. Um, but really actually like writing it down or putting it in my phone and being able to go back and look through it again feels really powerful. Um, the act of putting it down is, is a shift. Yeah, there's something about writing it down. I feel even for me, the act of like handwriting is even more potent um, than the than the typing, but the typing is more potent than the just keeping in. There's something about putting that energy out of this like mind space that I yeah. think isn't, I don't know if Sean talked about this, but like, I feel like it's not meant to hold. It like creates and then we've got to like capture it somehow or put it out in a way. Um, I know if I just try and keep it all in here, it gets jumbled, it gets compressed, it gets lost. I, I over edit it and it isn't as potent as having it out. And, and right now I'm picturing, um, were you in class Tuesday night? The tourist, the, the toric field and all that, you know, it's got a, meant to flow that's so true I know there are so many times that I'll do like a brain dump like I go okay it's Monday morning what all do I have to do this week and I just start you know I just grab a paper and I write all the things that are in my brain and it is it is super freeing just to get it out and then you can sort it and organize it and figure out what's most important and what's not important at all um but when it's all in your head, it's just kind of like, like you said, floating around and getting lost. And that's a, um, that's a really good way to say it. I like that. Yeah. Um, so do you have any, um, you started following Sean through the podcast and now in MMA. Are you in book club too? No, I'm not. I have a little women's group. Um, on meetup and we have our book club on Wednesday nights. So I was thinking about possibly shifting it, um, like do our book club maybe on Monday night so that I could jump in um, to that one. So we'll see. The book right I, now is really good. I, I joined, yeah, um, because I had wanted to read Psycho-Cybernetics for a while. I had it on my bookshelf for like probably three years um, along yeah. with so many other books that I have that like, oh, I'm going to read that one next, but there's just so many. Yeah. <laughs> I, have, I have book envy of Sean's bookshelf. Um, oh, I know. Right. Um, is your book club, what, is it a personal development focus or is it a um, more of a fun focus? Although I think personal development's fun, so. <laughs> yeah, me too. We do, right now we're in um, The Untethered Soul. Have you read that one? Yeah. That's like one of my all-time favorites. So we're in, in the middle of that one right now. And we just do like a chapter a week. Um, so so I, I think it's more personal development. It, my group is called Spiritual Spiritual Women. Um, yeah, so it's so it's more it's more personal development focused. The last one we did was um, the warrior goddess. Do you hear my Alexa? Is that Alexa? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. she just told me that she can't connect to the Wi-Fi, but oh. I didn't say anything for her. 
I find that so creepy. Every now and then I've got a Google Pixel phone and the Google Assistant will like start talking and like, I didn't ask you anything. (laughs) Yeah, back up. (laughs) So weird. Um, Um, Do you have a favorite spiritual book, personal development book? Um, And so I have a twofold question. And what is... um, do you have a spiritual or religious practice or like, how would you describe it, your, your practice? So um, my favorite book I always go back to is the four agreements, because I think it's a, a simple, it's, you know, it's a little checklist. We, we like lists. And so it's, you know, four things. And so I can always go back and go, am I, am I doing, do, doing these to the best of my ability kind of thing? Um, so when I'm talking to somebody new, I like carry around copies of it and I'm like, here, you should read this book. Um, so that's probably my go-to favorite. Um, as far as my spiritual practice, that is a little bit more, um, I don't know what the word is, but my, my parents were hippies. So I was kind of raised. Um, you know, it was like peace, love, and light. They were both raised Catholic. So we did like, um, you know, like church and e- or Christmas and Easter church. Um, but it wasn't like a huge part of our lives. But for whatever reason, when I was like 10 or so, my neighbors went to church and I was like, I want to go to church with the neighbors. And so I started doing that and ended up, my, my first husband ended up being um, a Baptist pastor and it was kind of in in that marriage and in that space where um I realized like um I'm I'm not so good at being a Baptist I'm not so good at like um black and white thinking and I think it's because of the way I was raised um there were so many times that my husband would say you you can't say that like you like that's what what you're saying what you're doing like you have to you know keep it down Um, and so after he passed away, one of the very first things that I realized, like, um, he passed away on a Sunday and then the following, and then that Friday night we had his service and the following Sunday, I got up and started like getting ready for church. And I was like, I don't, I don't actually have to go to church. I don't, you know, it's not, they're not, yeah, I don't have to go. And so that was kind of my very first time of like. I can think for myself. I can make whatever choice I want. Um, and so that was really powerful for me. So I, I meditate every day. I practice uh, transcendental meditation and I, um, I keep, I keep my, my sage smudge at my desk and I've got my essential oils and I, um, I, I know the Bible inside and out and and I love the teachings and I, I love it. I love Jesus and I love the teachings of Jesus. And I think that if people, um, if people stuck to what Jesus taught, the world <laughs> would be a really great place. Yeah. Um, so, so as far as church and, um, it, as, I, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but I, yeah. I yeah. So I, so I have a little Buddhist statue and I just kind of believe like 
every every culture that has created something um, it all comes back to like that universal energy of love and so that's that I guess that's my practice is universal love yeah that's beautiful thank you for sharing that part of you and I find it so interesting that you had that experience of hippie parents and that belief and then also the very religious sort of experience and then your own like back to your own knowing of just what's true for you um and that you described the religious way as that black and white thinking and alluded to like this repression of who you were for the sake of what was expected um i was journaling recently uh actually my partner and i had had a conversation we're out in the desert and just marveling at like the beauty of the desert and the expansiveness and this creation and that birds are flying about and this you know it's a desert but they're just like you know they look like they're having fun doing their bird things um and somehow we got on the topic of religion he's like I don't know what I'm missing like people have this like intense faith in you know Jesus saves and these are the laws and you must abide by them but like then you know you look at this and it's like I don't know and I was thinking about that later and I feel like religion is like the ultimate codependent relationship of like I give up my power to something else that I need to please and sacrifice bits of myself to be accepted by this God or this yeah. way, this, this higher authority that says what's right and wrong. And then like my spirituality, which I guess is a, it's a, it's a spirituality based in energy and based in like all accepting encompassing loving energy is more like I can be all of all of me and it's it's all held you know so it's it's like I don't know it feels very freeing and and I see it in like you said um really the like essence of of I think what the teachings intend in so many different so many different religion, religious or spiritual traditions like Buddhism, Taoism, Christianity, and you know, they all kind of get to that similar basis of, of love at their purest form. Yeah. I, I feel like I just kind of like ramble sometimes, but no, I'm I'm right with you. It's like it's like there's there's something and we all know there's energy and we're all energy and all the things are energy and it's like it's kind of like um what we've been learning about like our creative brain like that's that's that energy that so it's I'm I'm with you yeah (laughs) I think I think we know but I don't know if we all know that's something that I want everyone to know though to feel it I don't know, for me, I don't think that, well, I do think that I always felt it. And I think that's why when I was younger, 
I like, I can remember being 12 in the shower, like staring at my hands, not really understanding like what this is, like, what is this body? What is this mind? And having this whole like existential crisis that none of my family could really like get that I was having because they also didn't understand. They didn't have a practice or a relationship of their own to spirit. And I, I got sent to church and like, that didn't really work out well. And then I went through a lot of years where I just shut it off and like, yeah. couldn't figure it out. And then feeling back into everything being energy has been like a big path of healing. Even I see my cancer as an energy and what did I, how, where did that energy come from in my life? I don't know if that is anything that um, Dave and you had ever thought about for the cancer. I don't, I haven't met many people who've had cancer experiences who have thought about it in this way. So I guess this is one of those vulnerable things that I talk about that I don't want anyone to ever feel like I'm imposing an opinion of, of what it is. You know, it's my story. But for me, it's that energy of like, what have I been taking in and not, not channeling out or not mm. allowing to move? you know, hanging on to instead of creating. And my, my cancer was in my, um, my peritoneal cavity. So my, my root chakra, my sacral chakra and my solar plexus were really the affected areas, didn't, didn't reach up to my heart. Um, and for me, my greatest traumas are really in those three chakras um, and in my early life. And I was not, I had an acupuncturist tell me like, oh, you need to have sex, you know, so get that energy flowing um, or you're going to have disease there. And so there's really like from that being an energetic being um, and experiencing myself as an energetic being, I've found healing and I don't, that never, that, I don't want to say never, that was not a way that traditional medicine looked at any of that. This is like from just my experience of, of energy and whatnot. Um, and yeah, so I, where I was going with that is that, so I, I don't feel that that's understood or that ev everyone shares that view and that not everyone has to, but that to like everything being energy how many people really grasp that or, or understand it or have felt like the truth of it in their body? I didn't for until I know when I first felt my body as energy was when I took ecstasy at a party. Um, <laughs> and that was a incredibly healing event for me. So um, yeah all that to just say, um, we understand this, but I don't know if everyone does. And that's part of what I want people to feel. Um, curious if you, what your view of the world and, and, and how people experience it as energy is and how your experience of everything as energy has been. Like, have it, has it always been a truth that you know? 
That's a great question. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I had like a specific moment of like, oh, like this. Hmm. That's a great question. I'm a little bit like going through my life trying to figure out. Um, when I was a kid, my mom always used to say that I was an old soul and I felt things more deeply than other people did. That was kind of her um, um, like ex explanation for, for me kind of thing. It's like, you're, you're just an old soul. You just feel things differently than people do. So I don't know if it was always a, always necessarily an acknowledgement of energy. Um, but I just felt like um, when, when I did want to go to church with the neighbors, my mom was like, well, you're going to have to go to all the churches then. And she's like, I want you to make, yeah, she's like, I want you to make a list of different churches to go to. Um, so I did experience like a lot of different beliefs. And, and maybe in that, I kind of was like, well, these beliefs aren't really that different from those beliefs. There's, there's like a core truth in, in all of it. Um, so that could be, um, so possibly. Is know. there, well, maybe I can ask some more specific questions um, or, and maybe share a little bit more about my experience. I, I did yoga for a while and that helped me like feel in my body more. Um, but I lived a lot of life kind of disconnected. And when I had that MDMA ecstasy experience, I could feel the world around me in a way that I hadn't felt since I was a kid. When I was a kid, I was also an old soul. I was very sensitive. I was so, um, I'm a highly sensitive person, truly. Um, like I couldn't have tags in my shirt, my, the seams in my socks couldn't rub the wrong, you know, sit at a certain point. Um, just really like extra sensory. Um, and like I said, at some point that got shut off. And when I took um, ecstasy, I was able to like safely come back and be in my body without a fear of the world around me and to really feel things. And after that, I can remember like being in Vipassana meditation and really feeling the subtle energy in the body and feeling it. When I'm on my slack line, I can feel the breath and the energy moving down through my foot into the line and reaching up through my head and feel it in my body and then feel what gratitude feels like in my body, not just in my head, you know? Um, so more like that feeling, like the actual experience of everything as energy and what that is in the world like i'm touching wood right now and wood has a different energy than like my metal coffee cup you know mm -hmm. like that level of like really experiencing energy like i would imagine in reiki you experience energy right I, i'm assuming because i haven't i've received reiki so i've received the experience of that energy around me i've never channeled it outwards well and it's it's the same when you're when you're 
doing Reiki on somebody, you're, it comes, it just, it's universal energy. So it comes in and it goes out and you're getting the, or, you know, a Reiki treatment, the same as your client did. Um, so definitely, definitely, um, I think when I pay attention, it's there. And when I'm just trying to go through the motions and get to where I need to go and I have my list of to-dos and I, I stop noticing, then it, that's when I don't feel it. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I can't think of a specific time where I had like a switch, you know, like, oh, I don't feel it. And now I do. There is a lot of times when I'm like so stressed that I'm like, I need to go take a minute and I zone in and I can feel, feel energies that way. But I don't know if that answers the question. It does. Yeah. I think that, um, my experience of being so shut down for so many years and out of touch with my energy makes it so that I have like a really like, like I have a clear moment of like that. Oh, here it is again. And it sounds like you have a very more, what I think is a more like healthy connection to it through your life of like, you feel it, but it's like when we feel something consistently, we don't have as much awareness of it. um, And you're able to flow in and out of it like that being in a, a high stress place where we're just like go 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 do 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 and then knowing that we're in that place and have to like come back and breathe and center and really um come back to a healthier place in our nervous system that Mm -hmm. allows us to constantly be in communication with the energy around us um is, is help that healthy flow that you've got I will say, um, whenever you, you brought it, you brought it up when we were talking about the cancer and the stuck energy, whenever, have you read that book, um, heal your body by Louise Hay? I have not read that one. No. So she's super into like, Oh, you have something going on in this part of your body. Then these are like the emotional causes of it or whatever. And when, when we first went to the clinic over in Tempe, the doctor that we met, we sat down with her and she said, Dave, your cancer is in your lungs. And she said, tell me what happened when you were seven years old. What, what like, what, what bad happened when you were seven years old? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, um, she's like, something happened and you were sad. And I don't know why she said seven. Um, I don't know if that was just intuitive or what. And um, he's like, I don't, I don't know. And then he's like, um, my big sister moved out when I was seven because she was 10 years older. He goes, so that happened. And um, she's like, how did you feel? And he's like, I don't know. I Like, whatever. And, and she gets to, gets him to finally kind of, he like bursts out and he's like, it was horrible. I was sad. She was the one that loved me. She was the one that took care of me. I didn't know what to do. And she moved across the country and like just all this all of a sudden came out and she goes, you never have released that. You've never let that out before. And that was like all the grief was just sitting in his lungs. That that's powerful. That's the lungs are hold our grief in Chinese medicine. Um, and I'm 
curious if the reason for the age of seven, if that is the age where that chakra center forms. I don't, I don't know. So something like that. There's so many like, um, not modalities, but like Louise Hay, you know, she had her whole, if it's here, this, it could correlate to this feeling. And that matches with like chakra theory and um, Chinese medicine. And then have you ever read any Gabor Mate? Mm -mm. Are you familiar with um, any of his work? Have you heard of him? Nope, I've never heard of him. Oh, I think that you will be interested in the things that he has to say. Um, he has this book, the Bo When the Body Says No, um, and he, it explores the stress disease connection. He also speaks a lot about trauma and how that affects us um, in our adult years and leads to disease and unprocessed emotion leads to disease. Uh, another book that was life-changing for me was In the Realm of Hungry Ghosts because there's a lot of addiction in my family okay. and just how that manifests as, or trauma, early childhood trauma manifests as addiction. It's really, really interesting um, how, how much there are doctors who know about these things um, but it's not like widely accepted in the mainstream. And if, I, I just wonder if we knew about these things, if it was more accepted knowledge, how it might be different. Like then when a child experiences a loss and has parents who can help them process that loss, if we wouldn't see things manifest as cancer or, um, I mean, other syndromes and, and diseases and autoimmune things that happen. Wow. Uh, it's cool. Not that, you know, I, I think there's a fine line of saying like, well, you can't say like, well, Dave lost his sister and that caused the cancer. Like that's not right. Right. Uh, you know, yeah. my, my childhood trauma of growing up in an alcoholic home and, and all of that, like that didn't like, cause my cancer that's not I can't like blame it but that's that black and white thinking again like the binary this equals that and it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't but also energy has an impact energy goes somewhere energy like it is all connected so it's, it's okay. worth exploring I think it, it, emotions are so important if we knew how important and we do right you and I do but if like the world understood how important they were I think we'd have some different values maybe more in line with Jesus's values <laughs> <laughs> right yeah that's cool yeah um have you heard of unity is unity one of the religious um things that you've explored yeah i i have we have a unity center down not very far away from here they have like a nice garden and uh, yeah cool spent some time over there they have like um sometimes they'll do well i mean not recently but sometimes they'll have like oh we've got these musical healers and people that do the bowls and that kind of stuff 
Um, so I've, I've gone and visited there a few times. That's cool. That's a, I, I've been wanting to look more into that community. I, I found out um, a couple of years ago, I guess, that my grandma, uh, she went to Methodist church. Like growing up, my family went to the Methodist church. I thought my grandma was just Methodist, you know? And then she shows me these Unity magazines and she's like, yeah, this is what I really believe. And she's like, everything's energy. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. where, were, where was this information when I was 12? <laughs> Freaking out. And she said, well, you know, my church friends, that's my community. And they don't agree with some of these things. You know, this isn't okay. So she kept it hidden. And I'm like, oh man, there was such this, like so much misconnection and something, uh, misconnection for many years, but over the last year, my grandmother and I have really connected over it now. And I've been reading the Unity magazines and I love that they have um, people who talk about like tarot and people who talk about sound healing and shamanic things. Um, Bruce Lipton was in one of their magazines and I love his biology of belief, um, cool stuff, you know, and very yeah. not black and white. Um, yeah, 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 all of them or none of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, do you have any, um, any more questions for me or things that you want to talk about? I feel like we've talked about I feel like we've talked about a lot of things. I want to learn more about your, um, I can't remember what you called it, but you did it in the, in the park yesterday on Instagram. Tell me again. And you talked about it a few minutes ago, but I can't remember what it's called. It's the slack line. It okay. is, um, it's a piece of webbing two inches wide under tension between two trees uh, that I walk on for meditative purposes and self-discovery. Um, and uh, it's an exploration of energy. It's a physical practice. So like, yeah, it requires core strength and muscle balance and all of this stuff, but it's so much a mind-body practice, like a meditation, which for me was life-changing for so many reasons. I um, first of all, I wanted to do it and I was mm -hmm. like, I'm going to do it. And that energy of like, I'm going to do it going into this line that has this very bouncy. It's, it moves. You have to create your own stability. As soon as I put my foot on it, it would just shake, 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 shake. I couldn't do it. And so that energy of like, oh, I'm going to do it going into this bouncy thing it doesn't doesn't work I had to learn to soften my body so that I could have flow so mm -hmm. it's like bringing that flow of the energy of the universe through me um it's just like nervous system flow it's getting past the energy of fear it's building an energy of trust and confidence and empowerment because the step on the line you get big take up space and and feel the energy and all the centers aligning and going through so it's it's just this incredible meditative spiritual and also playful practice um 
for me. And I, I have been coaching people on it for empowerment and self-discovery and embodiment. And I think it's a powerful way to um, start to reprogram uh, the brain and the body to uh, build confidence and have that, that self-esteem and that trust and that belief in um, belief in being able to like feel something that we don't necessarily have in front of us. So it relates a lot to the, the money mindset work, I think, um, the whole mindset work. Uh, I would love, is that something you would want to try? I mean, it sounds really cool. Um, yeah, yeah, I would want to try it. Well, I have a part of my dreams to get this, um, on the road and, and take it around. So Phoenix, you're going to have to make a stop there. Yeah. Well, I frequent San Diego, so maybe the next time I'm over there, I can, we can have a coffee date or whatever. I would love that. Yeah. What brings you to San Diego? I love the ocean. Um, and it's, you know, a five hour drive. I have a couple of friends that live in Carlsbad and they, um, they like rent out their spare room as like an Airbnb. So I'll be like, Hey, can I come for the weekend? And it's just in, in my head, my intention is to like spend one weekend a month there starting shortly. I was there two weeks ago, um, but I, I like to run over there whenever I can. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's so beautiful here. Well, let me know next time you're I will in town. For sure. I will for sure. Happen. Yeah. I, I think that there is, um, Slackland is how I want to help people feel energy. Yeah. It's, it sounds like a really tangible way to feel it too. Not, not kind of like just sit and see what you feel. Like it's a way for people to actively do something. To... Mm-hmm. So that's cool. And I think that that's important. Um, what you said, it's a way for people to actively do something because it, I do this. I have such resistance to sitting and meditating sometimes because I want to be doing something, yeah. you know, and that's from a, like a trauma perspective to sit and just be in the body. It can be really hard to like feel into it because the brain just wants to go and protect us and keep, keep us busy. Um, but then on the slack line, it feels like, well, I'm still doing something. I'm still like, moving and it's like it's subtle it's like sneaky I don't have to I don't know how to describe it like the my my brain I kind of just has to take a break and I notice when it's not because if I start to think about other things it's reflected in my relationship with the line which is really like the relationship that I'm in at that moment that needs my attention. So it's almost like, um, I'm, I'm right next to my kitchen and my son is getting some water. So if you hear that, um, but it's almost like, like in yoga, you can go through the motions and not feel anything with it. That's possible. 
and you can meditate like you can sit and not feel it if you choose to or if you you know you can't get into the flow but it sounds like your slack line you 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 have to get into the energy feeling yeah you have to or you you fall off what happens um and that so I, I did a yoga teacher training. I did, mm-hmm. I did yoga, but it was like, I think that's an appropriate phrase. Like I did yoga. I wasn't like fully experiencing yoga. Um, it was easy to go to class and just like go through the motions. There were times when I did and in certain set- settings really feel it, but it was easy to like, cheat in a way you know and I could even cheat like in tree pose you know like you could cheat and have the pose right but not really be in the energetic alignment of the pose and on the slack line there's like you've got like for me I found I've just got to be there (laughs) or I'm not standing on it and it's it's a cool way too I've been thinking about it of like getting to experience something in the body that's like hard and brings up fear um that isn't something that's like um like releasing a book putting a book out there that's big it brings up feelings um and so to experience something in the body of doing it that isn't that there isn't an, like a personal attachment to you know mm-hmm. And then know that oh, you can do it and you can feel that. Then I think it makes things like that are more personal, like releasing a book or launching a business or posting a blog post or starting a podcast or um, joining a dating site makes it more like doable. Kind of like that as you do one thing, you do all things, you know, there's, or there's like a reflection, there's an empowerment that comes and it's, um it's subtle yeah just the energy of everything yeah now I totally want to try it (laughs) (laughs) yes I'm like excited to try it I needed to hear that whole explanation that was cool thank you for listening giving me the opportunity to um to say it and and distill it um maybe we can, well, we'll, we'll talk more about this. And my ideas get, I get excited. I really, really do get excited about this. It's so much fun to experience with people too. And it brings about like the play. I'm curious, do you, do you play? Do you have like a, a play in your life, play practice or? I don't think I really do. I, um, I walk my dog um, and I hike the mountain. Um, so we have like a little mountain over here that I like to go hike, but I don't know if I actually play. Um, my my 14 year old that I told you about at the beginning, that's kind of in a struggle mode right now. Um, one of the things her therapist told me like yesterday was that um, some people have like a high need for um I can't remember she called it spontaneity or like like shaking things up um and so and she said that could be part of why she she causes things to get kind of crazy in my house sometimes 
And so she said, you know, I can give you a list of things that you can do with her that are like fun playthings that will add the spontaneity. Um, and it was like, you know, playing Jenga and stuff like that, just to like have that there so that she doesn't feel like she's got to create it with, with drama. Um, so, so as you're talking about your slack line too, I was thinking, gosh, I wonder if that's something that she would get into. Um, not, not, you know, specifically things that I am doing that she is currently completely rejecting. Um, but, but just kind of something that's a little bit playful and a little bit, you know, meditative. Yeah. Yeah. I think it could be really fun. And also, I mean, like, how cool is that? Like, you know, it looks, it looks cool and it's fun. I think there's appeal for, for some people and that, and especially, you know, I feel like if I was 13, I'd be like, yeah. Yeah. Um, or something like, uh, another thing that I found fun and I don't do it as much as I would like is hula hooping, hoop dance. Um, it's a, it's kind of a, spontaneous fun thing but it's all it moves it moves energy you know and it teaches about relating to energy and like feeling the energy from the center in a way that's like cool and fun yeah and different I've never been able to master the loop so I haven't tried it very much (laughs) I try it I'm like oh I can't do that I'm done (laughs) Well, the key I found is to have the right size to start there. Um, I'll bring hula hoops too when we slackline. It'll be fun. Oh, cool. I love it. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah. Lots of fun stuff. Well, I don't, is, there, is there anything else you want to touch on or get to for this? Um, we're, we're coming up. We've got about 20 minutes that I have blocked off, so we've got time. And I just, well, let's see. Or- um, I don't know. I feel like we've talked about so much. Um, I think I'm, I think I'm good. <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm sure there'll, there'll be more things and I love these raw conversations and videoing them, but I do, I feel like even, even then there's, there's so much more that we could get into and, um, and okay. that maybe, yeah, we will one-on-one and in person and we'll come up with more things that we want to share um how would people go about um getting on the list to know when your book comes out well i have a a little bitly link that people can go to um to to join the list and i'm just sending a couple of emails um so i can give you that and maybe you can share it yeah i'll Um, put it in the in the show notes. I, I don't edit, but I do do some show notes. So. Okay. And then um, it, it comes out on Tuesday, November 24th, 2020 on Amazon and Kindle. Um, so you can just jump on Amazon. It's called the gift, the gifts of cancer, my story of embracing the journey. So okay. I can send that over to you. Yeah, that would be great. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It, um, it's a, a beautiful journey if that I, I don't know if that makes any sense um <laughs> some people may disagree but you know even being there for my dad his his diagnosis was sudden 
uh, and he had, it was a month from diagnosis to passing and it was about a year and a half after my cancer. And even that, the two weeks that I got to be with him, so many gifts in it that um, I think you've inspired me to write about. So I, I, I would be, um, I'd also like to get the information on the 30 day writing challenge that you did, if you wouldn't mind. For sure, for sure, I'll share that as well. Cool. I think that my 2021 thing. All right, Elizabeth, thank you for this raw conversation. And yeah, uh, yeah this has been great. A nice, nice Thursday morning um, connection. Um, oh, and I'm sure we'll, we'll connect again soon. All right. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Right. Bye. Bye.